Good morning. <laughs> All right. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, good morning, everyone. I'm Deb. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, I'm part of the uh, team of preachers here at the table. Uh, I'm also the co-director of discipleship, along with Mallory Ruark. And uh, it's my joy to be able to proclaim good news to us this morning, not over and above us, but as one among us. And to begin, <laughs> I have to be honest with you, uh, this passage feels so disjointed, disconnected, and confusing to me. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on in this passage? I mean, it starts off with the disciples saying, increase our faith. And then Jesus starts talking about walking mulberry trees. In other gospels, it's moving mountains. And then suddenly he's talking about this poor, unworthy servant. I mean, it's so disconnected. So what is going on here? Is Jesus just berating his disciples? Is he subtly telling them that they're just unworthy minions? Is he calling them to some impossible standard of spirituality? What initial quick conclusions do we make about what we think we're hearing in this passage? Because we read it through a certain lens, through a certain paradigm about what faith and faithfulness look like. And I wonder if many of us read this passage like this which based on the responses, I think is probably really similar to how the disciples were actually hearing it. So here it is. There is a measure of faithfulness going on and you're being assessed. Do you have enough? Do you make the cut? Eh, or do you have too little? And to add to it, you are on your own to figure out how to cultivate the right amount. And only then can you be secure, only then can you belong, and only then will you have significance. Is this way of reading it familiar to anyone else? <laughs> Not just me. Church, this is bad news. This is bad news. This bad news is bad because it leaves us in this place of being just filled with shame, right? Like we're never good enough, and instead of showing up and being real right where we are, right with what's going on, say in the midst of doubt, our deconstruction, other struggles, we instead live in fear and in striving and we hide from each other, from God, even from ourselves. But what if, what if, friends, the good news in this passage today is that you don't have to be a spiritual hero or champion or giant to follow Jesus. That in Christ you've been given everything you need for a life of joyful faithfulness in God's good kingdom. So you can trust the deposit given to you by the Holy Spirit and just take the next step 
of honest engagement with God? I want to suggest that it is. (laughs) But let's dive into the text and see what it's saying and what it's not saying. So in our reading today, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And the passage starts in a really strange place. It's almost like in the middle of a conversation. It's like the audio just turned on and you've just missed everything that came before. (laughs) So we miss what he said before to his disciples and why they're saying in the first place, increase our faith. So we need some context. In the previous verses, Jesus is basically has said, there are things bound to come that will cause people to stumble. Woe to anyone through whom they come. As the message says, I like how they put it, it's better to wear a concrete vest and take a swim with the fishes (laughs) than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. And then Jesus talks about forgiveness, and if a person sins against you seven times in a day, forgive them seven times. And there's two big pieces of context that are really important here. One... The overarching theme in this whole chapter is what is the kingdom of God like and who will participate in it? And two, throughout the whole chapter, Jesus is reiterating his message to the disciples. They are not to be like the Pharisees. As commentator Joel Green puts it, this whole chapter is a critical reflection of the mindset and practices of the Pharisees, their lack of regard for little ones and sinners in their midst, and their heightened concern for recognition and status. So Jesus is saying, be on guard against that mindset, against the mindset that works against justice and compassion for little ones, and against mentalities that block the restoration of sinners to community. And then our passage begins. (laughs) The disciples respond to this call to forgive with, oi, increase our faith. They hear these words and they panic because they think what Jesus is calling them to is impossible. We don't have enough faith for that. That's impossible. And for me, this brought up the question or questions of what is faith? What isn't it? And how do we get it? So again, remember, we all have these paradigms, these lenses about faith that we live by, lenses through which we look, kind of like glasses. And many of us see faith or have been taught to see faith as cognitive certainty, right? Mental assent to the right doctrines and dogmas or having the correct beliefs. But friends, this isn't faith. This isn't faith. Here's what faith is, and it's very simple. Faith is engagement with God. It's engagement with God. It's very simple. It's choosing again and again to engage. So sometimes the engagement is thankfulness, and sometimes it's praise, and sometimes it's lament. 
and sometimes it's raging against God. Sometimes it's bringing uncertainty and doubt, but it's engagement. It's engagement. It's being right where you actually are in reality. It's engaging with the truth that God is present and at work in that reality, in that moment, with whatever's coming up. And therefore, I can be where I really am, right here, in the midst of it all. See, many Christians assume that faith and lament are antithetical or opposite postures. And as a result, many avoid lament. They avoid it because we're afraid that giving voice to that pain or that disillusionment or anger towards God are expressions of actually a lack or a failure of faith, which is the furthest thing from the truth. So what if, friends, what if your doubts and your questioning is actually evidence of faith? What if they're not signs of faithlessness, but of faithfulness? We are all on a journey. None of us have ever arrived. There will be inevitable struggles and stumbles. Teresa of Avila counseled Christians to expect and welcome doubt. Because doubt doesn't make God nervous doesn't make him anxious at all. So faith is not trying harder to feel more inwardly certain, nor is it a matter of cranking up your willpower and your diligence to fix yourself, to fix your behavior, or to fix others' behavior. <laughs> but faith is engagement with God in the midst of whatever moment you find yourself in. Our passage from Timothy today talks about the grace given to us in Christ Jesus and to guard that good deposit that was entrusted to us, to guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. See, in Christ, you have already everything you need. You already have that deposit that's inside of you. Therefore, faith isn't dependent on size or quantity or amounts. There's no more or less in faith because it's not about amounts. It's about who God is. It's almost like in this passage, Jesus was saying to his, his disciples, okay, okay, if, like if you're gonna insist on talking amounts, all you need is a pin-size amount, just a smidgen. <laughs> That's all you need, just a smidgen. It's less than you think. It's smaller than you realize. It's just a mustard seed. It looks unimportant and inconsequential, minuscule, minute. <laughs> so you think you need big faith, but all you need is little faith. That's it. Because a little goes a long way in the kingdom of God. Friends, the good news today is that you don't have to be a spiritual hero to follow Jesus. That in Christ, you have been given everything you need for a life of joyful faithfulness in God's good kingdom. 
so you can trust the deposit given to you by the Holy Spirit and just take the next step of honest engagement with God. Next in our passage, Jesus turns from an example of faith to an example of faithfulness to illustrate his point. And remember, Jesus is talking to his disciples about not being like the Pharisees. And he shares this story about this landowner or farmer whose servant does outdoor work and household duties, and he's been out in the field all day long working for him. And he finally gets home. And the, serv- the master makes him do more work. He's like, no, you're not going to eat first. I'm going to eat first. And by the way, get my food and also give me a back rub and, you know, all this stuff. The master makes him do more work after a full day. I mean, it really seems like, to me at least, really seems like to me like he's being a jerk. <laughs> like, jeepers, creepers, no thanks at all. But here's the thing. Jesus is drawing on a well-known reality of village life to teach something about faithfulness. There's almost this absurdity in what Jesus is drawing on in his story that we can miss, but it would have been apparent to the readers back in the day. And it says, will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? I'm like, of course. (laughs) But we have to understand, thanks in that passage wouldn't refer to verbal expressions of gratitude or of social politeness. Thanks there would refer to actually placing the master in his debt. He would be indebted to the servant. It would be, since you fulfilled your daily duties, I now owe you special privileges. I am in debt to you. I need to pay you back. I currently work at Starbucks right now, and it would be like me coming to work and saying to my manager, Gary, Gary, you are never going to believe what I just did. I mean, you are really going to owe me big time. Here it is. I brewed coffee. (laughs) Yep, I did it. I brewed coffee, and man, you owe me. Like, that's not how it goes. This isn't the dynamic. Brewing coffee is just part of my job. And see, in this passage, Jesus is opposing any suggestion that obedience might be construed as a way to gain honor or that one might engage in obedience in order to receive a reward, which is what the Pharisees did all the time. (laughs) Remember? So, remembering those in need with justice and compassion, working for the restoration of the sinner into the community of God. Practices of this nature are simply the daily fare of discipleship. It's simply part of the daily life of those whose lives are oriented around a loving God. That's it. I love how it says it in the message. It says, when you've done everything expected of you, be matter of fact and say, the work is done. What we were told to do, we did. It's not a basis for status advancement or anything like that. It's just doing the normal stuff of the kingdom. Just another day in the life of someone trying to follow Jesus. So friends, Jesus gives us this story 
because he's saying, you don't need a big bucket of faith. You just need a smidgen. You don't need big heroic faith. You just need to be everyday servants. Forgiveness, for example, it's a process and you just need to take the very next step, which might be, help me even wanna forgive because a little bit goes a long way. It's just a little bit and it's just taking the very next step. So in Christ Church, you are free from the burden of the big faith requirement. You are free from it today. Needing to have all the right beliefs and doctrines and having it all sorted out and tied up in a pretty bow, you are free from that today. You've been given a deposit of faith and the Holy Spirit is helping you. And whatever faith we have is gift. It's gift. So where do you find yourself today? I want to call us, church, into this place of faith in the midst of wherever we are. Have you been struggling under that big faith requirement? Maybe something has happened in your life, some tragedy or struggle or illness or Maybe something fell apart or wasn't what you thought it was. Maybe you experienced a betrayal that's just rocked your world and it's left you questioning your faith, maybe questioning everything. Keep engaging God with it. It's okay. You have everything you need. God is present and actively at work and involved right now, right in that situation, and is on your side. He cares more about it than you do, so you can trust this goodness in your life right now. God is working for you, he is with you, and he is on your side. So it's okay, it's okay that some days it's, man, I can see how you are so present and at work right now. This is amazing. And other days it's, I don't know, I don't know. I don't understand, I don't see clearly. Lord, help me see. Because that's faith. That's mustard seed faith. It's engagement, just a smidgen. Seems and looks unimportant. But that's what moves mountains and mulberry trees. So church, you don't have to be a spiritual hero or champion or giant to follow Jesus. In Christ, you've been given everything you need for a life of joyful faithfulness in God's good kingdom. So you can trust the deposit given to you by the Holy Spirit and just take the next step of honest engagement with God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.